This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Welcome back in. It's the Lions 24-7 podcast, episode number two this week, episode number one of July 2021. And June is in the books. It was an eventful one for Penn State. Hundreds of campus visitors for camps, for different recruiting events, dozens of official visitors in the spotlight, but only one commitment coming out of the process. Virginia wide receiver Tyler Johnson, commitment number 12 during the month of June. But we're ready for that number to change in a significant way in July. We're going to talk about some early names to know, a couple commitments scheduled for the weekend. Beyond that, there is a lot in play. Sean, uh, we're recording this on July 1st. Um, August 1st, this class, I think it's fair to say, will look mighty different. Yeah, get out the fireworks and the Red Bull. I think it's about to happen. So uh, that's this should be an eventful stretch for Penn State, especially in the next week, um, kind of how it's been forecasted all along. But I know if people get uh, a little bit impatient, that happens. I got a seven-year-old and all soon to be five-year-old as well. So I get it. Um, but no, it's it, it, I think it's going to be an entertaining week for Penn State fans. I think they've got uh, some things lined up. You saw some coaches starting to buzz a little bit. Um, and, and I think that it's going to be a good stretch for Penn State. Um, but first, how about yesterday? Almost, I, I'll say almost as good as a commitment, but I'm going to say it's as good as, as, good as a, a commitment because Drew Shelton locked in his commitment with Penn State. Uh, that's a huge one. This is one that's been bubbling for a while. Got him on campus three times in June. Um, and just to, to lock this one down, can't say enough. I know offensive line recruiting often a crapshoot, but this is a kid that, that college coaches, not just Penn State coaches, college coaches absolutely love Drew Shelton and his potential. Could be a multi-year starter. And for, for him to sort of, um, I guess, lock things in 107%, whatever, um, I think it should go a long way in, in getting Penn State to crest that hill and get some momentum. Not only was it 107%, but but was it right around 107 p.m. that that the it wasn't came right in? around 107. I was texting with Drew yesterday morning, and he said, "Okay, I'm finally ready to do it." And I said, "When are you doing it?" He said, "107 on the dot." I said, "Okay, well, we're in the name, image, and likeness branding se- section of college athletics now, so he's got a good start on on understanding how things work." So yeah, 107 on the dot. Uh, drop that. Uh, drop that. And he's he seems pretty excited. He seems pretty relieved. Um, you know, I think Penn State's been the uh, the pick all along. I will say, it's probably harder to secure this locked in of i don't know i don't know recommitment i guess we could call this although it's not really a recommitment a um, double down commitment a, a d- i don't know doubling down on his commitment i like i like the way yeah. he did i like that um probably harder to do that than actually get him on board in the first place i mean i know that the, <laughs> really? yeah. the competition's kind of a little bit different but he did take that official visit to florida checked out rutgers unofficially they were seriously in it i know people were going to fall at that but Rutgers was seriously in it because of location he likes the staff over there but um, probably a tougher 
um, all together sell because he could visit, visit these other schools, Florida state involved, Georgia involved, Notre Dame involved heavy hitters in there. Um, and to get him on board, uh, and to keep him on board, I think is a, is a big step forward. And, it, and if you don't think it is, you probably understand, don't understand how this cycle has gone and how this, this last year has gone, because that's a, that's a really big step forward, not only for the offensive line class, but the classes of 22 as a whole. It's nice when you can get two separate days, several months apart, feeling that buzz from picking up a blue chip commitment. I know this wasn't a pickup, but you're right. Uh, when this announcement came in on Wednesday afternoon from the social media reaction, from what you were seeing from other members of this class on our message board, certainly, it felt like there was a commitment. It felt like a fresh addition for Penn State. Um, in, instead, um, there's still 12 commits, but to feel good about Drew Shelton and feel firm about it uh, at six foot five, 290 pounds, a guy who has really developed physically and, and, and the athleticism really stands out to see him on campus, interacting a little bit on the field on Friday, you come away saying this kid's got a lot of the pieces you look for in, in a franchise kind of offensive lineman um, number 129 overall in the composite rankings. And I thought it was interesting, something he pointed out to you. And it was the same thing that Caden Saunders pointed out to me back in May, Sean, when he announced that he was shutting down his recruitment to outside universities, Sheldon wants to recruit for Penn State, and you can't have one foot on the bandwagon and help someone else up onto that bandwagon. Absolutely, this is uh, that's something that he he gave in his quote to me is you know if he's if he's not hundred and seven or a hundred percent locked in, then, you know, people aren't going to believe his pitch, you know, when he says, you know, you need to look at Penn state and, and do things like that. So I think that that should go a long way in, in helping things out. Um, what's interesting to me is Penn state doesn't win the IMG battle all that often, you know, they've, they've had some success from there, gotten some really good players from IMG. Um, but when guys go from the Northeast and they go down to IMG, things change. I mean, we've seen it, countless times. So, you know, you're, you're hoping, I, I don't want to say they're turning a corner or anything like that, but getting a win like that can, you know, maybe have an effect on some of those 23 guys that went down. Cause, cause IMG in the last year, you know, they sort of went away for a while from the Northeast, but came back with Bobby Acosta. He leaned on some of his contacts, excuse me, some of his contacts up here and, you know, brought down Shelton, brought down Janelle Aguero from the Northeast, uh, Cameron Lenhart, who visited a couple of weeks ago. Virginia has been really heavy with IMG guys, including Katron Allen, who has Penn State really high on his list. So Penn State hasn't won that battle all too often. So to, to get a win like that is always big. And now you're in a situation where, barring any surprises, you've got this recruiting class you're going to continue to build in the month of July, perhaps into August as well. And once you're getting into where official visits are in play again this this season, and and it's going to be an important fall official official visit window because it was such a short early official visit window. These guys are focused on getting back to Beaver Stadium. Um, it might be more difficult for Drew Shelton being down at IMG Academy and the national schedule they play. But you, you talk to the guys like Caden Saunders and Bo Perbula and Ken Talley, and they're saying if they can, they're not going to miss a single Penn State game. So you're not worrying, whereas there's a lot of programs out there right now. They know when September shows up, they're going to have to really be babysitting a lot of their commitments and keeping tabs on where their commitments might be going that Saturday. Um, that's just the reality of where college football is, particularly right now in this 2022 cycle. And it seems like coming out of June – Although you didn't get the, the, the fireworks pre-July, Sean, you got a lot of answers on where you stand with the guys who are already on board. And coming out of it, 
again, Holden stays is the only piece you've lost in a pandemic uh, cycle. And I think that says a lot when these guys had the open door now to go explore other campuses. I said it, you know, back in the spring when we were anticipating what June would be. This is a big test for Penn State staff. How are you going to prevent guys from getting to other campuses and how are you going to keep them on board and go forward toward the season thinking that, okay, the guys we got are on are, are with us 100%. Now that they come 107%, they've gotten there. And I think that that you got to credit the staff and you got to credit these collective recruits because they're putting the work on each other. There's a strong bond in this group. I've said this before. I don't know how it got here because they haven't had a lot of interpersonal communication, but there's a feeling about this uh, and a closeness about this group that I didn't really pick up in the last few Penn State recruiting classes. It's it's borderline remarkable, really, just to, to see what they've gone through, not just in, in this cycle, and I know they had a ton of misses in the 2021 cycle, and that's kind of how that cycle has been has been branded. But they didn't lose anybody outside of Dante Thornton and Nick Elksness, and that was early in the cycle. That was pre-pandemic. So yeah. um, I think it's pretty remarkable that they were able to get through that. Now, you know, there's there's a lot of things that could be said about uh, how you have handled, you know, or how, how you have missed on some of your targets. And, you know, that, that remains to be seen in the 2022 class. But you know, it's, it's a pretty good job in turn in terms of retaining that. And that's pretty crazy when you think about it. So yeah, I, I agree with that. I, I I think that, you know, it's something they continue to preach that family aspect. And I think a lot of guys have found that now, of course, you've, you've got, you've got the fall ahead of you and these 107 graphics are not legally binding, no matter how much <laughs> we would like to think. So, um, you know, you got to come back and you got to do your part. You got to win. You got to, you know, make this an, an attractive place. And, um, you know, you've got pieces of this class that make it more appealing. Guys like Saunders, the, the, the two quarterbacks certainly can make it go a long way. So, and, and I think you can add Shelton to that list as well. So, um, you know, building on that momentum and, and you're, I think you're going to continue to see it in early July. And, um, you know, we talked, I think the question last week was about, what Will they get to 20 by August? I think this thing can jump really quickly. Sean, we will hear from Drew Aller in just a bit here on the podcast. Uh, was kind enough to join us on a busy week for him. He's out at, in Los Angeles for Elite 11 Finals. He's also coming off an official visit to Penn State. And he's one of the few commits who came out of last weekend feeling good about Shelton, just to, just to put a punctuation mark on that conversation. Him getting to campus for that extra weekend where he wasn't supposed to be there with those guys side by side for 48 hours. They really felt like by the end of that, they were open and honest. He wanted to be with them. He wanted to recruit for them. That's kind of how they got there. But with Drew, and, and we'll talk about that in a second, you know, he, he wants to see as many components put together on this offensive uh, line and this offensive arsenal as possible. There's still work to be done. We'll talk a little bit about running back later here in the show. But on the offensive line, before we shift gears and look at these commitments, two guys on board. Shelton is locked in now. You got Malik McNeil. Where does the focus lie um, moving ahead with this offensive line class? Because Troutwine's got his biggest piece solidified now. Yeah. Ryan Brubaker went to South Carolina this week. And if you've been reading on our boards at line 24 seven and, and some of the stuff that we've written, that's not a big surprise. I know some people kind of belly aching because he's an in-state legacy, but they'll, they'll be okay. Um, JB Nelson is where the sort of where the focus shifts right now. Um, and it's been on him for a while. I'm not, not saying it's, it's suddenly on JB Nelson. He was on campus last weekend for an unofficial or excuse me, last Friday for an unofficial seems just like a matter of time for Nelson to, to jump on board. He's been one of those guys we've been watching and, and really the, 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 
the background lines up. He's a Pittsburgh kid. He's been on campus before, prior to the pandemic at Lackawanna, you know, Penn State's relationship with Lackawanna. Uh, I think it helps. He's got four years to play three. So he's got that red shirt year. If you need to build him up, as you've seen these junior college offensive linemen or whatever linemen uh, come out of the junior college ranks could use some time in a, in a college weight program. So um, we'll, we'll see how that one goes, but I think, you know, you're looking at, at JB Nelson, you're looking at Andre Roy, probably the top guy right now in terms of, uh, of tackles that are out there. Gunnar Gibbons still out there. I think he's set to announce in, in mid July. I still feel Virginia tech for him, but they're still trying to to push on that one. So um, there, there's names out there. Um, it's not the deepest pool that you'll find in, in Penn state's uh, recruiting uh, on, on Penn state's recruiting board, but you feel really good about JB Nelson and, you know, you hope you can continue to play that over. Probably we're looking at four on the outset, but with the Nate Bruce, news with guys potentially leaving you know you're, you're talking about probably five maybe stretching it to six because jb nelson's a junior college guy but you know space while it doesn't seem like a problem right now could be something that factors into that in the long run reminder we, we covered this last week nate bruce no longer with the program so that leaves landon tangwall as the only member of the 2021 recruiting class who's on the offensive line so going to follow that up with what would appear to be a larger class certainly in 2022 sean Looking at this weekend, we've got a couple commitments scheduled. Maybe we'll find some more scheduled by the time we get to Friday afternoon, Saturday morning. But Keon Wiley is up first. That is July 3rd for his decision date um, out of Philadelphia, Imhotep Institute. He's got three hats on the table to uh, you know, throw it back old school recruiting. Pitt, Kentucky, Penn State are the hats on that table. I've got a crystal ball in. You've got a crystal ball in. Feels like another Philly player maybe on his way to Happy Valley. Yeah, this is one that's coming out of his official visit. We felt really good about Penn State. We, you know, felt good about Penn State the entire time, but there's there's always questions, especially in June. June was such a crapshoot in terms of guys just being all over the place. And we'll talk a little bit more about that uh, probably after the break. But yeah, it's uh, it's been a crazy month. But yeah, Wiley is a guy. We, we list him as an edge, probably going to start out as a box linebacker, um, can play defensive end. Uh, so just a really, uh, really good player. Just I just keep going back to that that evaluation. is just a really good player with pads on. Uh, maybe not the most physically dominant guy or, 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 you know, doesn't have the, you know, he's not a four four guy or anything like that. That's going to play the Sam, but he can find the football. He can tackle. He, he does a really good job. So um, I'm curious to see what he looks like in the next couple of years. And, and as we said, we, we, we expect the pick to be Penn state Pitt, and Kentucky were other visits that he took in, in the month, but you know, you, you're feeling pretty good if you're Penn state right now. Speaking to Ken Talley this week, also out of Philadelphia, this is a guy that he would be really excited to, to join forces with. We've talked about Ken Talley at linebacker early in the cycle, looking more clearly like he will be a, a defensive end, uh, edge rusher. And that's kind of where it sounds like he wants to be. Keon Wiley, how does he fit in that defensive front seven? Something we'll be exploring if he does indeed hop in this class along with Talley. Because we don't have a lot of defenders to talk about right now, Sean. But we do have another one here on Sunday. July 4th and July 4th, we said it last episode, it has become a destination day for these commitment announcements. Caleb Artis, step on up, a defensive lineman um, out of uh, St. Francis Prep in Queens, New York. He's got Auburn, Penn State, Virginia, and Rutgers in the mix here. Uh, another guy that, that just as we were getting on the podcast here, I've got my crystal ball pick in for Penn State. You were the first to submit yours. And we haven't seen uh, a big guy uh, join this defensive line group yet. He at six foot four, two hundred ninety pounds would fit that description. 
Yeah, he's a defensive tackle target and very high on the board for Penn State. I, we have him as a three-star. I think he's a is he a composite four-star just off of being a composite four-star. Big frame, 6'4", long arms, uh, going to grow into one of those bigger defensive tackles that uh, that we've seen have had success at Penn State. So, um, you know, he's got a lot of development in front of him, but there's there's a lot to like about that body. Um, you know, Penn State's defensive tackle, not a huge priority, but they seem to be in a good spot with a couple of those guys right now. Um, so it'll be interesting to see how that plays out. But yeah, we both have our crystal ball picks in. Not sure what time he plans on announcing on the fourth. Hopefully gets it over with early, uh, but that's selfish on our, uh, on our part. Uh, but yeah, it should be, uh, should be, I think another exciting one for Penn state. Um, so w- with Penn state now, there's a couple to watch, but there are a lot of things happening right now, Sean, as, as we'll address going into next week and, and on future episodes of the podcast. And, and I know you have a chat going on in the message board right now on lines 247.com, which is a great place to stay updated, but it just feels like there are going to be other decisions made here in the next week or two. Um, probably guys just sitting down with families, maybe their high school coaches, and just trying to figure out the right way to deliver that message and when to deliver that message. And let's not forget, if you do it the right way, you're also going to make that phone call and say no to a few coaches before you make that follow-up and say yes to one staff. Yeah, it's going to be busy. I mean, I, I think there's going to be guys that come off the board, you know, that are not going to Penn State too. It's just the the flow of the cycle has gone that way. So, you know, you've got guys that have mentioned announcing or announcing uh, Zane Durant, the defensive tackle from uh, from uh, the Orlando area, I believe it is. I'm sorry, yeah. I'm spacing yeah. on his uh, on his whereabouts right now. Uh, Tyrese Fearbury uh, from from Pittsburgh, uh, Penn State and Pitt battling for that one. Uh, Durant, by the way, Miami, Penn State, and Indiana are the final three for him. Um, you've got uh, what Katron Allen, the running back for that we talked about from IMG, who's originally from Virginia. Wouldn't be shocked if he was trying to get this one over with. Um, you know, I think he's very high on Penn State as well and of course Nick Singleton we'll talk a little bit him uh, about Nick Singleton after the break um, but yeah it's got it's got this next week has a lot of potential to be a very good one for Penn State get your popcorn ready we've going to have a lot to talk about on lines 24 7 here on the podcast as well uh, we will dive into a conversation right here with Drew Aller out at Elite 11 finals uh, discussing his Penn State commitment his progress leading up to January early enrollment and, and uh, right now uh, top 100 quarterback prospect in 24-7 sports rankings. He's with us next and we're back to talk a little bit about the running back spot. Nick Singleton in the spotlight once again. We'll finish things off with a five-star mailbag question. This is the Lions 24-7 podcast. Baseball has begun, which means you need to listen to Fantasy Baseball Today in 5, part of the CBS Sports Podcast Network. Join Scott White, Chris Towers, and me, Frank Samphill, every Monday through Saturday as we deliver all of your fantasy baseball needs in just five minutes. We'll break down the biggest performers, news, and prospects who could make an impact this season. Make sure to download and follow on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, the Odyssey app, and everywhere else podcasts are found. Making his second appearance on the Lions 24-7 podcast and the first since March, uh, Drew Aller joins us right now. And Drew, you are fresh off of your official visit weekend to Penn State. You had a lot of company there. Uh, How did it feel to to accomplish that long-awaited trip? Oh, yeah, it was super fun. It was finally relieving uh, just to be able to meet all the commits that I haven't met in person yet and all of uh, the recruits who were pretty close with, I feel like, and just getting to know them and getting to know the whole coaching staff uh, in person. I mean, it was super relieving and it was a super fun weekend. 
Now, who made the trip with you and what were some of the highlights uh, that you experienced? Maybe some things that might surprise our listeners that they might not equate with a quote-unquote football visit. Oh, uh, yeah. So my uh, both my parents came and my little sister came with me. But, uh, I mean, I guess the highlight of my weekend was just being able to hang out with everybody, uh, going to dinner. Um, I The uh, campus tour, because I was like, really my first time on a guided tour around campus. So I've never really gotten to see like the whole campus. So that, that was a pretty fun experience. You came up for a self-guided tour before you committed. What did you discover about State College, about University Park that maybe wasn't on your radar before you got the actual full-scale tour? Uh, well, I never knew that there was like a little pillar in the center of campus that is like supposedly the center of Pennsylvania. So that was like a pretty cool, like fun fact that I found out. But I guess just really being able to see all the buildings, because I didn't know what all the buildings were uh, when I first came up here because it was like self-guided. So I was pretty like I didn't know what everything was, but uh, just to like learn where everything is on campus, where the freshman dorms are. Uh, how they get to the facilities their first year. And uh, that was really nice just because I never knew like where everything was located. You've been committed for a little longer than three months at this point. What did this weekend do for your class, the guys who are committed, getting face-to-face and having this personal family time with your parents and with your siblings as well? Oh, yeah, I think it solidified everything that we've been talking about, like how we're all locked in right now. Uh, I, I feel like we're in a really good spot just as a commit. Like we're all super close and we're su- uh, good friends with each other. So I think we're in a really good spot with our relationships. One guy that did explore another campus in June, but got back to Penn State a few times is Drew Shelton. And I saw him out there with the other commits, looked very comfortable. What's your feeling about Drew? How important was it to get him on campus for this weekend? Because he wasn't originally supposed to be with you guys. Oh, yeah, I think it was a really good thing for us. Uh, I think we're still in a really good spot with Drew. I got to hang out with him a lot over the weekend just with um, both of both of our hosts. So it was really nice getting able to know him. And I feel like we're in a really good spot with him still. Now, who was your host during the weekend? Tyler Warren. Tyler Warren, a second year tight end, uh, a former high school quarterback. How did he do handling that role? And and what kind of impression did was he able to make on you? Oh, no, he did really good. Uh, it was really fun getting able to know him, just like how he transitioned from high school to college and like what he would do different and what what works for him right now and just getting to know him. Uh, I mean, he's, he's super nice. So I, I'm, I was very thankful for him being my host. Well, also on campus was Bo Prabula. And, and I know you've both been to campus in June working out with coach Yersich, but I don't think you've been on campus together, correct? Yeah, that, yeah, that's correct. So this was the first time on, on Friday when, when I saw you guys, he was involved in the seven on seven tournament. You were involved in the golf cart parade around uh, campus. But when you had a chance to watch Bo and you had a chance to speak with Bo, what are you learning about Bo Prabula? Oh, yeah, I wasn't really able to watch him because when we got there, like his team was getting ready to go into like the elimination round. So I wasn't able to watch him, but it was really nice being able to talk to him finally because I've like it was the first time I've ever seen him in person. So, I mean, I think we'll gel together really well and uh, push each other. So. I think we have a really good relationship and uh, I'm looking forward to getting to know him even more. 
Bo told me that he just feels like you two are, are on the same page, essentially, yeah. when, when it comes to competition, but also a relationship. I've seen other two quarterback classes where it's very cold. It's a little icy. Guys aren't really friendly. What have you and Bo both done to try to make each other feel comfortable and encouraged about getting there in January and getting to work? Yeah, I guess that we just both know it's going to be a competition no matter what because there's quarterbacks already there that are going to be competing for the uh, starting spot, and there's going to be quarterbacks coming in behind us. So I think it's just a part of college football. There's always going to be quarterbacks competing for one spot. So I think we just both know that we're going to go in and compete and push each other. But I guess just getting to know each other, like small talk, I mean, like there's no bad blood between us or anything. But uh, so it's just been nice being able to get to know him as a person, not really just as a football player. And you've had a chance to now work with Mike Yersich um, in a camp setting. What was that like for you? What was the feedback like from Yersich? Uh, he's same as on the field as he is off the field. Very high energy, very enthusiastic. So I'm looking forward to being able to learn as much as as much from him as possible when I get to campus. But I think uh, I'm in a really good spot with Coach Yersich. Like I know he'll like bring the best out of every quarterback that he that is in the quarterback room. So I'm looking forward to him pushing me and uh, learning as much information from him as possible. What was it like to be throwing some bombs in Beaver Stadium? I know you have future plans to do that, but to get your first taste of, of what that might be like. Uh, it was super fun. I can't wait uh, to be back there again and being able to do that in game, hopefully. But uh, it was a super cool experience, uh, just being able to throw inside the stadium in a camp setting. So it, it was a really cool experience. And I know that a bunch of those throws were launched in the direction of Caden Saunders, playing a game of fetch with him. Uh, that's got to be fun. What has it been like working out with him in Ohio a bit, doing that again in Beaver Stadium? What do you come away with thinking that Penn State has in, in Caden Saunders? I think Caden Saunders is a really good receiver. I mean, I think some some people overlook him, but uh, he there's no slowing down when he's coming in on breaks. Like he'll go in in and out of breaks the same speed he went into it, and he has really good hands and really good route running. So I'm I'm really excited to get to throw to him more and all the other receivers that we have coming in. It is a, a, a large receiver group. It may get bigger. Um, you've got Jerry Cross who finally got to campus as a top ten tight end target. But there's still that open spot at running back. And, and, and I know Nick Singleton is priority for you. Can, can you tell me maybe where your head is if, if you're in conversation with some guys? Yeah, uh, I think we're in a good spot with him. I know all the running backs that are recruiting right now are really explosive uh, when we hand the ball off to them. And mo- all of them can catch out of the backfield, too. So they have that dual threat to them where they, we can just hand it off to them or swing it out to them. So, I mean – I think it's a really good place to come as a running back just because of all the development that's happened over the years with running backs at Penn State, like Saquon Barkley, Miles Sanders, and the job Coach Sider has done with past running backs. I, I feel like there's like no better spot to come into as a running back with, other than Penn State. And when you look at this group, I want to go back to Jerry Cross because he had spent about 330 days committed to Penn State without ever getting to campus. It's hard for me to imagine. I'm sure it's hard for you to imagine what was it like to see him finally get feet on the ground? And, and what did you come away learning about Jerry Cross? Uh, I think he was super relieved to finally be able to make the visit and his whole family make the visit too. But I feel like he, it, he was blown away by it. Like he came in with high expectations and it was, he was still blown away. So 
it was super nice being able to get to know Jerry too, uh, because I've talked to him a lot through text and it was finally like kind of like a relief just to see that everybody is the same as they are in person as they are through like a text message. So uh, I'm looking forward to building our relationship. One member of your class that continues to get pointed out to me by your, your future teammates as a star on the recruiting trail is Ken Talley. Sounds like he has a strong skill set when it comes to recruiting guys. What does he do so well that you think makes an impact? And, and could you describe his overall demeanor, the vibes you get from Ken? Yeah, I think he's just really good at relating to people and uh, selling Penn State to them. So I think that's what he's like, just building relationships and talking to people is what he's really good at. Uh, and I mean, he brings the energy to us definitely because he's always uh, has high energy and he's always like cracking jokes, which are like breaks the tension if there is any tension. So uh, he's super fun to be around. He's super funny. So, <laughs> Well, as we record this, and again, this will not be up for a few days, but as we record now, there's 12 commits in your class. I know that you expect that number to grow. We're coming out of the official visit period that everyone's been waiting for in June. Now we're going into a period of July that really expecting a lot of movement and a lot of decisions to be made. What is your optimism right now for what awaits Penn State in these next few weeks? I think we're going to get a lot bigger. Uh, I think we're in a really good spot with a lot, a number of different people and some really big time recruits that are going to help us grow and bring in more people after they, uh, they announce. So I'm just looking forward to see who we add. Who are you most personally invested in right now? I know everybody's kind of on this guy or that guy, you know, Caden Saunders very close with a guy like Darius Clemens. How about you? If, if I were to say, you know, who's at the top of that target list for you, who's hearing from, from Drew Aller consistently, what are the names there? Uh, definitely Emil Wagner. Because I feel like he, he's a really good tackle. Uh, I mean, it was nice being able to know, uh, get to know him over the weekend because he was there with us. Uh, I know he's visited a lot of schools, but I feel like uh, Penn State, left a really good impression on him. And I feel like we're in a good spot with him. Uh, I'm not sure when he's at, like had his timeline for his decision, but sounds like maybe all the way to January. I think, I think he's going yeah. to that all America bowl that you're going to be involved in. Okay. Um, so it sounds like it go, could go all the way. You might have your hands full all the way into January, maybe. <laughs> yeah. Well, I'm, I'm looking forward because he he's super fun to be around. Uh, but I mean, I feel like we did a really good job with him just, uh, the whole staff welcoming, welcoming him, him and his family. Uh, so I feel like we're in a really good spot with him and we definitely need a tackle like him uh, on our team. What have you noticed about seeing James Franklin in a room filled with recruits and their families that maybe you didn't see from James Franklin on a FaceTime call or a Zoom call? Because this seems to be where he thrives in person. He did a really good job on the Zoom calls, honestly. Uh but he, he's like, he has a lot of energy uh, and it, it's super nice to see that he's the same person as he says he is because he's all about, all about just getting to know each family individually and relating to them off the field and not really getting just to know their sons on the field, which I mean, I, I greatly appreciate because he, he definitely like takes people under their wing and gets to know them off the field. And you can, he's definitely a coach that you can just go to if you're having troubles off the field. And just ask him for help or just talk to him about something that's happening in your personal life. So I'm definitely getting uh, like I'm definitely grateful that I'm going to be he's going to be my head coach. Now, last time we talked, you were ready to roll with the January early enrollment. That's still the case. 
Yeah, it's still the case. Okay, you've got some big things coming up, though, before then. Obviously, your senior season with your high school program, but just upcoming in a few days, the Elite 11 Finals. It's a it's an experience that is really special for you quarterbacks. It's one that I've gotten to cover as a reporter on a few occasions out there in L.A. What are you most looking forward to about this cross-country trip? Uh, I think just taking uh, away as much information as possible because I, it's like a it's like a – fraternity i guess like it, once you go to it you're a part of it forever and that's what's really cool to see like all these nfl players that went to the elite 11 come back and share their stories about what the elite 11 did for them and their career so i feel like it's just a great experience and it's going to be a life life thing that i'll always remember but right now i'm just kind of trying to go in and do as much as possible to win the whole thing and just go compete and take away as much information as possible. Last time I covered the event, uh, some kid named Tua Tagovailoa went out and won the uh, MVP, but he wasn't even considered like one of the top two, three, four guys really going into the event. For you, we talk about you being the top-rated quarterback commit for Penn State of the Franklin era, potentially, but you're going out there with a bunch of guys who carry impressive ratings and rankings and offer sheets. What can you kind of prove to yourself, maybe prove to those who are watching how you measure up against the best of the best? Uh, for me, it's like just proving that I belong there. Uh, I'm looking forward to getting to know everybody because I've talked to a couple of the kids going out there already, and they're all super nice. So I'm just looking forward to getting to know them and going in and just showing what I can do. And hopefully the results uh, come out in my favor. Well, you had an outstanding junior season. It went a long way toward building up your offer sheet and getting a lot of opportunities. What is going on right now for you approaching your senior season? You talked about some of your goals back in March. How do you feel like things are lined up for your senior season? I think we have a really good shot of making the same run and going deeper than we did last year. Uh, Just because I know my teammates and I have been working a lot uh, and putting a lot of hours into it. I know I throw with the receivers a ton and they come when I throw it with my quarterback trainer, uh, they always come and catch for me too. So I think that we have really good chemistry offensively and I'm just looking forward to seeing how we do this season because I know my class is a really, truly a special class and I'm just looking forward to seeing what underclassmen step up for us. January may sound like a ways off now. It really is not. Um, it's going to be time for you to, to make that move. Between now and then, in communicating with Coach Yertish and Coach Franklin and maybe Coach Galt, what are you trying to do on your end that you can control that puts you in the best situation to get a fast start on campus? I think just coming in in shape and mentally prepared because I know it's going to be like mentally exhausting at times just because you're going back at it every day. Uh, so I'm just going in with the mentality to get better each day and just work as hard as I can each day and try to learn as much as I can in a short amount of time. When spring ball comes, I'm ready just to go out there and I don't really have to think about what I'm doing. I can just react and uh, play off of anticipation. What's your size right now as June comes to an end? And, and really, what do you think your plane weight will be at Penn State, your, your, your size once you get acclimated? Uh, I, I measured in that 6'5 and 230. So I think I'll, I'll be that same weight, but I'm definitely going to try and still like shape my body where I can put on more muscle, but stay the, stay the same weight. We talked about this before when you were on your ability to, to, to create things with your legs, if called upon, it's maybe not something that people 
are watching with you because they're fixated on your abilities as a passer, maybe that six foot five frame. But do you feel like that is something that, that your sitch is going to want to find a way to showcase at Penn state? That's going to be part of what you do in the offense. Oh uh, yeah. I don't think I'll necessarily be running a ton of read options just because, I mean, that's not really my game, I guess, but I definitely have the ability to extend plays and uh, just pick up, pick up yards that we need to get a first down. So I'm not going to outrun a lot of people necessarily, but uh, I mean, I can get the yardage that we need, the 20 yards, 30 yards, whatever we need. I mean, I I can do that. I just don't think uh, many people know I can do that just because of my film. Like I was dealing with like a bunch of like uh, our ankle sprain last year. So I didn't really get the chance to showcase that, but I definitely can do that. My last question for you, and, and now that you've had a chance to spend time with guys and assess their personalities a little bit, what do you think are some shared traits, some common themes across this 2022 Penn State recruiting class? Uh, I just think our determination to go win another Big Ten cha- championship and uh, get a shot at the national championship and hopefully bring that back to Happy Valley. Uh, I just feel like we all have a really good work ethic and we all have the right mindset where we're going to come in right away and compete and push, push everybody to their uh, like max and just get as much out of it as we can, because they, Penn state has all the resources for us to be great. We just have to take it into our own hands and use them. All right, Drew. Well, we'll be watching closely as you get to work in Los Angeles this upcoming week, have fun with the experience, enjoy yourself out there. And uh, we look forward to talking to you next time. Thank you. Thanks again to Drew. And, and if you have followed any of the coverage from the Elite 11 finals early on, it's been really impressive for, for Aller. And there's a long way to go. And, and you're going to hear a lot of hyperbole coming out of the Elite 11. I will warn you, uh, I would not put all your eggs in one basket. Remember, he had played a junior season. He's been in other camps. He's got a senior season coming up. So whatever does come out of this event in Los Angeles, keep that perspective but it's a good thing to get some buzz out there. It's a good thing for Penn State. It's a great thing for Drew. And this is an event where because you are alongside 19 other players who are of the Power 5 pedigree in your high school class, playing the quarterback position and kind of involved in a pressure cooker situation where you've got all these cameras on you and you've got all these high-profile coaches and counselors, going to find out a little bit something about Drew Aller over the course of these few days. Going to find out something. I, you know, this is the same sort of, thing that we say every year about this you don't want to find out too much because you think you think you know something about some guy throwing around in shorts and t-shirt and then you got to remember okay his his completion percentage when he's in pads needs to be higher needs to be more efficient with the ball and there's things that he needs to work on but this is a setting that's kind of tailor-made for him huge arm uh you know pretty accurate uh, all sorts of arm angles and, and slots and things like that. So everything that he does should suit him in this situation um, came out firing. And, and I will say this too, there's, there's a lot of people watching and that's different sets of eyeballs. So one guy's going to see something, another guy's not going to see something. So you look at these end of day ratings and we've seen a bunch of them and it's good that Aller's near the top in pretty much all of them. Um, but, you know, just keep that in mind. And, you know, it's not always that the, it's not always the analysts that are seeing everything. So I just want to sort of put that disclaimer before I say, hey, this kid can be really freaking good, man. He's uh, He's got all the tools. He's got that big arm. Um, he's got uh, just so many things that you look for in a modern day quarterback. And, and it's really exciting to see his progress. And, and you look at what's going on. And another thing that I looked at, You've got Drew Aller out there, but at the same time, you've got Nick Evers out there. If you remember, those are the two guys that Mike Yersich centered on when he came and and offered those guys and sort of moved away from some other previous targets. And and those are two guys that have lit. Uh, you know, this is 
we're recording on the morning of day two, so we're not too far into it, but those two guys really lit it up on day one. So that says something to me about what Mike Yersich sees in these guys. And, and I'm curious to see how his quarterback evaluations continue moving forward because so far, you know, short, short, uh, short sighted here, but so far it looks pretty good. Um, Aller should continue to excel. I'm curious to see how he works into the seven on seven portion of it. Last year when Christian Bayer went uh, to Nashville for the elite 11, it was just basically, throwing to dummies, throwing to local kids and things like that. Yeah. Target (laughs) practice. Yeah. And he started out really well and he kind of faded away. So um, this year I'm interested to see how he does with the seven on seven aspect of it. The elite, uh, excuse me, the, uh, the opening is down there to do some of this more team-based stuff that we, that we're used to seeing in a typical uh, summer session, summer camp session. So I'll be interested to see how he continues and if he can hold it up, which I have no doubt to think that he can, um, if he can stay fresh, if he can, you know, keep that arm, okay and i think he's gonna have a really good opportunity to continue to impress some people i absolutely love this event you know i i've, I've talked about covering it several times here on the show got to do with that three consecutive summers we've got our 24 7 sports team out there keeping a close eye on the action but being able to go out there and, and, and one summer getting a chance to spend evenings in the war room with the elite 11 staff you realize how much goes into this and you realize what they're looking for and and some guys get exposed in ways you weren't thinking of a lot of that goes on behind the scenes off the field because they're putting these guys through the ringer they go through um you know get up get up on the chalkboard and and take us through your your five favorite plays that your high school team runs why they're successful i mean they want you to talk through they want you to deal with like you were kind of getting ready for an nfl draft experience and and have the scouts throw all this stuff your way they prepare you in ways that you may not expect but in in terms of what we will see coming out of this the arm talent stands out this is an arm talent competition i said before bo perbula to me what he does that's so special is the improvisational and the athleticism outside of the pocket extending plays and then going upfield as a runner now drew has some wheels drew can do some damage that way but when you're in the pocket and you're being asked to throw to a spot which is really what this competition is his release his ability to get the ball downfield and drive it i think it's going to stand out among his peers the thing that we are going to learn and i think what would make the difference between drew aller being you know a top 10 player at this part at this event to maybe being a top five player or being in the conversation as an MVP is what's going on mentally, what that staff is seeing, how he is digesting what they're throwing at him and how he's handling competing against and playing alongside some of these other power five talented players, you know, receivers, defensive backs, linebackers. I'm not sure how much of a, a supporting cast they have out there for these guys. In years past, it was hundreds of, I mean, it was, it was a hundred plus blue chip caliber talents that they would show up to this event as part of the opening and then play in that seven on seven tournament. That's to me, Sean, the part where you could either see Aller hit the launch pad or maybe stumble down the stretch of this event, because I've seen it happen where guys lit it up in all the quarterback drills. And then when it came to diagnosis and defenses and, and hitting their guys downfield, didn't come together. And then there's some guys that maybe didn't wow you as much, but when the lights came on and the competition aspect of this event came into play, they became different animals. And that's something I'll be curious to hear about what Drew does in the next few days. Yeah. And that's the, I think that's the question when you're talking about Penn State's quarterback classes, we've seen what Prabula has been able to do on the field. Uh, the improvisational stuff, as you said, is very good. Um, it just comes down football acumen and instincts. And you think about that with positions like linebacker and, and you know, on, on the def- defensive side of the ball more. But quarterback, I mean, that that can go so far for these guys. And and that's the, that's one reason, you know, I like Perbula so much is that, you know, you just kind of he can he can sling it around a little bit and nowhere 
on the level that I, that Aller can, but he can sling it around a little bit and probably enough to make it happen. And, and what's going to happen here, and I don't think this is probably the right way to do it at all, is folks are going to end up comparing uh, Drew Aller to Christian Hackenberg. Folks are going to end up comparing Bo Perbula to Trace McSorley. And that's unfair to both those guys, so don't do it. Um, but that's kind of what you're looking at here. One is the prototype. One is the guy that you love. And uh, with all the measurables, and you, know, you would have fallen in love with him in the 1998 NFL draft or something like that. And the other guy uh, can just flat out get it done. So can he get it done at the next level? Still remains to be seen. Um, but no, it's going to be an interesting dynamic over the next couple of years. I will say, don't make that comparison. It's it's not the way to go about it. And it's not fair to either of those guys. And also coming out of this event, don't get too high. Don't get too low. I mean, he's going to come out of here. This is something that he's kind of tailor-made to do. But at the same time, don't say, okay, he made all these throws. He won the pro day. He should be a five-star. He still has work to do on that tape. He still has work to do, as I mentioned earlier, efficiency, completion percentage, things like that um, to, to get where he needs to be. Just don't rush it. Don't. It doesn't need to happen all at once. But uh, you know, I think Penn State's got two really, really good quarterback prospects for different reasons, but I think Aller is ranked higher for a reason. And if you are putting six other power five level talents around this, this guy in a seven-on-seven seven setting, and they're strangers to him, essentially. He may have known him for a day or two leading up to the event. Is he ready to command, you know, command from them, you know, performances that are going to help his seven-on-seven team? That's the other thing. Quarterbacks sometimes, when they get around these egos, the high school quarterbacks, they're from a town maybe that doesn't have any other college football stars. They're the only guy. They shrink up a little bit in that circumstance. Uh, I'd love to hear that, that Drew Aller was out there, you know, commanding these guys as a leader, uh, kind of holding them accountable because that's what they want to see from quarterbacks in the Elite 11 circuit. I don't really know how the points tally up, how they determine the MVP. And I've seen the process play out very closely. Some years it's just very obvious who the MVP is. I don't know how the points tally up, but I know a big part of it is how they handle the interactions with their teammates, the egos that are involved there. Uh, so, so just a lot that goes into play here. Did, um, did, I, did we just blow up the five-star mailbag? Do you just want to? I think. Do well, that I'm right just going to say, well, let's get into it. Um, okay. um, we, we, we will get we'll get to the quarter, uh, the running back conversation in just a second. Nick Singleton. I know there's been a lot of conversation on Nick Singleton. We'll have our own in a second. But the five-star mailbag does bring in the elite eleven. Let's jump right into it. Here's the question. Sounds like Drew Aller has a chance to impress in a big spotlight. Uh, I seem to remember at least a few Penn State recruits competing at that event in the past. Any of those Elite 11 guys stand out? Um, and could Aller use it to climb in rankings before his senior season? I think we just addressed this. Certainly, this is something that has led to ranking bumps before senior seasons in the past. Some of them have maybe been proven to be a bit reactionary because of the, the guy really impressed on the camp circuit. And then it didn't translate onto the field. And then you see kind of a, a rankings correction by the time signing day arrives. But absolutely, Sean, wouldn't you agree that if Aller goes out there, clearly looks like among the cream of the crop out there playing, you know, Quinn Ewers is out there, number one uh, quarterback. And, and I know Ohio State fans and people in Ohio are watching that dynamic. Interestingly, as Steve Wiltfong tweeted out with this Ohio kid, Drew Aller. But you've got him against who are deemed players who are deemed the best at this position in the class. Absolutely. I think a rankings jump is possible if he goes out there and, and, and kills it. And I think you made a great point. It's not so much about the arm talent and, you know, judging what he's able to do. But when you put him beside those guys, you can say, OK, is Drew nationally elite? You see the national elite guys around him. Can you get over that hump and put him into that class with Quinn Ewers, with Clay, uh, Kate Kulubnik, uh, who was a really good on day one, apparently. Um, so I, I expect a lot of shuffling of the quarterback rankings after this, just because this is really the first 
major exposure that we've seen on a national level for some of these guys. Some of, sometimes we get them, you know, in advance or go to a really good elite 11 regional or something like that. Um, but uh, yeah, it's just about, can he fit in with those, those top guys and does it confirm what you thought in, in the first place? Does, do you have questions coming out of it? Do you have, you know, just maybe your thought, maybe you thought, okay, we've got, we've got him at what 87 overall, or he was at 87 overall in 24 sports, 24, seven sports rankings. Maybe he's a top 50 player. Maybe he's a top 25 player. Maybe he's right on that level with one of those quarterbacks that we have up very high. And I don't have the quarterback rankings in front of me, but I think that's probably your biggest thing is when, when you're talking about cracking into that elite group, it's just putting him beside, um, putting, putting him beside those other quarterbacks and seeing if he can stack up. And it's so far, it seems like he's doing a really good job. Right now, when you look at the composite ranking, or I'm sorry, 24 seven sports specific rankings, number nine quarterback nationally, number 89 overall prospect. He had a huge, huge rise uh, during an update late winter, early spring. Uh, I think he was outside of the top 400 before that and 24 seven sports uh, reevaluated its stance on him. And, and now you see that reflected as a top 10 quarterback designation. Maybe he jumps up more after this. We will stay tuned. Uh, but going to the elite 11 history that was asked about here, kind of a two-part question here, Sean. Um, I do have a, a kind of a rundown here that'll probably be up on the site before this podcast drops. Just looking back at some of the history, and I stuck to the last decade or so when the current Elite 11 structure as we know it has been kind of set since like 2011. Um, and, and you can go all the way back to you know, the guy you just mentioned, Christian Hackenberg, the P word potential that that was that was all the buzz around him at Elite 11 in 2012 uh, that Hackenberg carried the most potential of anybody on that football field. Um, we've seen guys that did not end up at Penn State go out to the Elite 11, develop some buzz, and then it didn't happen. Brandon Wimbush, Justin Fields. But in, in terms of guys who have ended up at Penn State, look, it, it's not really a blow-you-away kind of list here. I would say Sean Clifford, just, just reviewing it, Sean, back in 2016, where he and every other quarterback on the field were overshadowed by Tua Tagovailoa. You know, the kid had himself a really impressive week, strong opening finals, was solidly in the top eight to 10 quarterbacks out of those 20 QBs. Um, and, and I think, you know, it probably played into why he ended up as a four-star composite at the end of the day. Um, he held himself well. I think one thing that stood out with Sean was the was his ability uh, to, to really deliver accurate balls over the course of that entire week. Some guys, the velocity drops off, the accuracy gets a little slippery as the week goes on. Didn't happen for Sean. Now, Sean Clifford, in our context will be judged on what he has done since 2019 at Penn state. But looking back at what he did in 2016 really showed out. Well, um, looked like a really impressive prospect. Jake Zembeck was the, the year before he didn't make the finals for the cut. Michael Johnson jr. Was there in 2018. He didn't make the, the cut for, for the finalists. Uh, Christian Veyer was the first Canadian quarterback to reach the elite 11 finals. He was not a finalist though, when they cut it down to, to their, to their smaller group from the 20. Um, so it's not like the bar has been set very, very high here. I think there's a good chance that when it's all sudden done and done, we, we may not have a chance to look at their one through 11 rankings, but I like Drew Allard because of the setup for him and because of the history here of Penn State to put together the most highly graded performance of any Penn State commit in the, in the eyes of that Elite 11 staff. That's not exactly a ringing endorsement for Penn State at the Elite 11, um, but I agree with you. I think going into this competition, just outside of Hackenberg, probably Aller's got more to uh, more to establish and, and a, probably a better chance of coming out of there 
as an MVP, as one of the top five guys or something like that. So I agree with you. Um, yeah, it, it has not been kind to Penn State. It's produced a lot of really good quarterbacks, but it's not a uh, it's not a be all end all. You know, this is not one of those things that's you go to the Elite Eleven, you're guaranteed stardom or anything like that. As we've seen over the last couple of years, especially with the transfer portal, there's a lot of Elite Eleven quarterbacks that have entered the transfer portal in the last couple of years. So uh, always fun to to track those guys, and um, and I think it's a great event. I think it's a great opportunity for these quarterbacks, and you know if they can take out of it what they need to take out of it, and that's not just going around and you know seeing how far you can throw a football. It's it's the meetings. It's the getting to time to soak in the coaches, the counselors, the guys that have been there in the past. I, I think it's a really cool experience. So looking forward to, to talking to Drew after that and seeing what he got out of it, because it's not always just about, you know, who can, who can run through the gauntlet and throw the, the throw to the most targets or things like that. It's always a, a really good experience and it's what you get out of it that, that really, you know, uh, determines how far you can take this thing. Well, you just heard from Drew. We'll do our best to, to coming out of this to get in touch with someone from the Elite 11. And if you remember last year, we had the, the president of the Elite 11, Brian Stumpf, breaking down uh, Christian Veyer's performance on this podcast. Would love to do something similar uh, about Drew Aller and what he does out in Los Angeles. But let's move on here. It's our last topic. And, and we've saved this one for a reason, Sean, because, man, when we sat down to record on Monday... You and I had a lot of questions about what was going on. The message board was on fire. Um, it stayed that way. You finally helped quell some of that, I think, on Tuesday when you dropped a bunch of notes on the message board. But now that we're coming out of the week and sitting down for episode number two, there is no spot on the recruiting board out of the storyline conversation that has been more intriguing, more difficult to get a read on than running back this week. Yeah. Um, on fire is very... Uh, conservative, I think we would go with that. Um, you know, it's been, it's been quite a, quite a few weeks on the boards and that's not just Penn state. I like, it's so funny because, uh, Steve Wiltfong, of course, flipped his pick from Penn state to Notre Dame after the Notre Dame visit. I, I do think that was the right pick at the time, but as I said, probably a little premature based on how things have gone this month. And, and I said the same thing out of his Penn state visit, because I think I could have done the same thing for Penn state out of his Penn state visit. But you let your crystal ball breathe. You like to let the ball I, breathe. I prefer to let my crystal balls breathe. So, um, you know, a little slower, more on the reporting side than the actual pick side. Um, but it's uh, it was one of those things where it just kind of all came full circle. And, and Penn State, you could have said the exact same thing about Omari and Hampton, the talented running back out of North Carolina. We started the week thinking he was going to be the number one back in Penn State's class. And all of a sudden we feel that he's going to North Carolina. So it's been a trip, man. It's been crazy. I know I've been preaching patience. Uh, it hasn't always been easy to be patient. The other night when that stuff was, you know, catching on fire, it's that's a, that's a lot, man. That's a lot going on. So if you can keep perspective, I know I joked about it as the, the episode opened. If you can keep that perspective, uh, you've done a better job than most because it's been, it's been crazy, but I, I like the Singleton pick. I, I like it. Uh, I like him to land at Penn state. I think that that's something that can happen within the next week or two. And, and it can be really a big boost because you talk about what Penn state has lined up and JB Nelson is a potential guy. Keon Wiley, a potential guy, a couple other guys on Caleb artists, a couple other guys on July 4th. They don't have that name brand. They don't have that star power that Nick Singleton does. And, you know, nobody's a, a, a sure thing or anything like that at this point in the process. But he's a top 50 guy on top on 24-7 sports, like a top 100 guy on the on the composite. This is a guy that's going to get some attention. And, and Penn State has had this habit over the last couple of cycles of 
being up front early and then sort of fading away with some of its elite targets. And I think that that's something, if you could storm back and take this one, that's a, that's a good sign moving forward. I, I don't mean offense to any of the guys who have come on board in the last couple of months, but to me, the last real headline grabbing at a national level pickup that Penn state had for the recruiting trail was drew Aller because of the, the, the brands and the programs that were involved in his recruitment. By the time he made a decision, the guys they've picked up since then, it's kind of a smattering of, of three-star guys, uh, junior college transfers, a, a specialist, things that are not really going to move, you know, move people toward focusing in on your class. Now, Nick Singleton would. Nick Singleton absolutely would. He, he traveled across the, through some of college football's you know, top program facilities in the month of June. Uh, was through Penn State, of course, as well. And 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 we're going to you know come out of this, and he reaches a decision if it is Penn State. I mean, it's just a slam dunk win. I mean, you look at what they've done in the state. It's kind of been on pause a little bit of late, um, but but the pickups they've had among the high school talent in the state, and that includes Drew Shelton, even though he's at IMG Academy. You add Nick, Nick Singleton to that list. Um, not only does it does it toss aside all the this Penn State cycle is going to crash and burn as the season arrives narrative, it's also going to toss aside what was the big theme in 2021 and it can't excuse what happened in the 2021 cycle but for people saying that James Franklin has lost any ability and his staff has lost any ability to keep kids home and play for Penn State Nick Singleton climbs on board do yourself a favor go to the commit list at lines247.com and uh, you know refresh that outlook well toss it aside is probably a bit strong just move it slightly to the side because they've got work to do and and, and this helps in a sense uh, can you land elite talent um, absolutely I think Nick Singleton is is one of the elite backs on on Penn State's board um, in state talent. They've obviously had their struggles with that. He's the number two player in Pennsylvania by twenty four seven Sports and the composite. And you continue to sort of build on that that running back uh, rapport that you have. And and didn't take one in twenty twenty one. Kevon Lee had a really good year in 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 2020 as a true freshman, but, you know, there are some questions there just kind of wondering, okay, Amari Hampton might go elsewhere. Uh, Singleton as a week ago might've gone elsewhere. What do you do in that situation? I still feel good about, you know, landing two really good backs, potentially two top 10 backs. George Petaway is still out there. Um, as we mentioned, Katron Allen's still out there. He's number 10, um, I think by the composite. So um, you're going to get good backs. It's just it was a little bit, the teeth were ground a little tighter than, uh, than usual with this one. So, um, but yeah, I, th- I think we're not there yet in terms of shaking the, um, the narrative that Penn state has missed on a lot of elite targets. Of course, deny Dennis Sutton still out there going to announce in, in, uh, probably mid to late July, uh, with Georgia and Penn state still the, the front runners there. Um, so you, you want to win that one. That's, that's obviously a huge one, but you want to continue to stockpile as many of these. It's, it sounds easier stockpile as many of these top 100, uh, top two, four, seven guys as possible. And, you know, I think it's a really, really good class, but it could use some headliners. If Singleton does come on board eventually for Penn State, just looking back at this in-state recruiting, that would be six of the top 12 players in the state of Pennsylvania from the composite rankings perspective that would be planning to wear an Indy Lions uniform in 2022. That's a strong – you're not going to get the number one guy on that list, and I White, um, but that that is a strong bounce-back performance after what was an abysmal in-state recruiting cycle uh, last time around. And, and Sean um, – we have said it for a while, trust the process at running back. And, and we've said it at tight end too, but it has been a long time. I mean, Cider hasn't picked up a, a running back commitment from a high school player since Kevon Lee, you know, a couple summers ago. 
if Nick Singleton is that first pickup and you're talking, you mentioned early Catron Allen could be in play. Um, certainly someone like George Petaway coming out of this uh, official visit weekend, uh, feeling good about the Nittany Lions. Um, do you think that we're looking at uh, that pairing happening before the season at running back? I think there's, um, you know, what do you, what do we say here? I could, I could see a potential for a guy jumping on board just to, you know, lock down a second spot or, or whatever. I don't know that Petaway's in the hurry that Catron Allen may be. I think that Catron Allen sort of looked around and some schools have him maybe as a second tier back. And you look at what a lot of schools have brought in already at running back and there's some pretty good, pretty good backs going to some pretty good schools. So um, I don't think that's an indictment on him as a prospect, but you know, I, I think there's probably a, a sense of urgency there. Uh, that's probably the best way to put it that if one does jump on board, I wouldn't be shocked to see it lock up pretty, cl- pretty close or pretty quickly. Um, so we'll, we'll see where it stands in the next week or two. And, I, you said going into the season, I really don't think there's any doubt. Uh, George Petaway says that he wants to take more visits and take officials. And of course, he's got that window in late July where he could take unofficials. Florida has been involved. North Carolina has been involved. Um, but it could be a spot where Penn State does have some leverage if they do pick up one running back to, to put some pressure on some guys. A lot going on, man. There is a, lot. a lot going on. Yeah, There are a dozen committed recruits in this Penn State class as we record. Next time we talk to you, I think that number is going to be different. We'll see how much different, but whenever the dust settles a bit, we'll be back with a, a podcast. Maybe we'll drop a breaking podcast along the way if, if one is warranted. Yeah. So feisty uh, here, huh? <laughs> we will talk to you soon. Uh, Sean, um, aside from July, the July 4th, July 3rd commitments and all that stuff before we, we, we wrap things up. What do you think June grand scheme a lot of it's going to be determined by what happens in the next seven to 10 days, I guess, and and ultimately for the rest of the cycle. But June, as we know it, and as you think it's going to play out here, how did it turn out for Penn State? It was good. I I don't think it was exceptional. Um, You look at guys like Jaden Bellamy, Jaden Gold, guys they thought they had wrapped up, going to go elsewhere. Um, So I think that there's still things to learn from that. You know, you were taking a look at what they were bringing on official visits. And if you bring in, 20 to 30% of those guys, that's a pretty, still a pretty good haul because these were elite targets for the Nittany Lions. So I think that'll be interesting to take a look back in a couple of months and see how many of those official visitors they were able to land, take a look at the numbers in terms of percentages of, of what they brought in versus what they were able to land. Cause it's, it's lower than you think it would be just based off of you're coming into every weekend thinking you're going to land every guy. And that's just not feasible, especially with, with guys only seeing, um, certain campus, you know, taking four or five visits in a month and and getting the the wine and dine treatment with the official visits and things like that and getting their parents to do it. That's been something that's that's been interesting to, to follow as well. So I think it was good. I don't think it was as good as it could have been because you wanted to jumpstart, say, a position uh, a position group like defensive back. You, you felt pretty good after that first uh, weekend, but now you're not going to get gold or you haven't gotten gold, not going to get Bellamy. You're quite, you have questions about Keenan Nelson and, and KJ Winston. So it's crazy how many things really, as much as we say played out, like we thought they would, it's as it's interesting to see things just kind of completely turn a 180 in certain spots. 
Well, when that Nittany Lions recruiting news does break, head on over to Lions247.com this weekend and throughout uh, this cycle. Um, we'll be back with you. I'm not sure exactly we're, when, yeah, but that's we're going to have a lot to talk about. That's a good <laughs> That's a good point. We're not sure. Uh, so we're both going to be out of town next week. We're going to bring you episodes. We don't know when. It's going to be based heavily content-based in terms of when we go live based on basically decisions, commitments, things like that. Um, so not sure when we'll see you again. We will see you again. or you'll you'll listen we'll to us speak again. at you this again is a yeah. non, uh, non-video medium here um for now. But yeah for now but we're not sure when we're going to get back at you but we will get back at you i think that we'll have some news to for for you to celebrate and for us to talk about and until then just enjoy your enjoy your fourth sean you realize now we can't record another episode until a commitment comes through after this one yeah we, that, we, that, we just we have set up for that <laughs> right, there's no way in hell i'm coming back on here without a commitment so we're just gonna go with that Well, we hope you all enjoy your holiday weekend coming up. We'll talk to you real soon. Um, On behalf of Sean, we would like to thank um, Drew for joining us. Easy for me to say. Good luck to him out in Los Angeles. We'll have him back on the podcast eventually, I am sure. Take care, folks. This is the Lions 24-7 Podcast.